and read just three verses in your hearing tonight. And as I've already said, it's such a privilege to be here. I'm so glad that my family is able to be with me tonight. They don't get to travel all the time with me, but it is so good whenever they do. And those of you who have children know it takes a little bit more time whenever they're young to get from place to place, and you never make it on time sometimes. But we're thankful we were early and that they're able to be with us tonight. I'm so thankful for that and thankful for my wonderful wife who puts up with me. And the church can say amen. It's okay to say that right there. (laughs) Praise God. Book of Isaiah chapter number 61. Three verses for your hearing tonight. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he hath the Lord hath anointed me to preach the gospel or the good tidings unto the meek and hath sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and the opening of the prison to them that are bound, to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord and the day of vengeance of our God, to comfort all that mourn. I just want to repeat that one, to comfort all that mourn. To appoint unto them that mourn in Zion, to give them beauty for ashes, the oil of joy for mourning, the garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness, that they might be called the trees of righteousness, the planting of the Lord, that he might be glorified. Why don't you read that last phrase with me? That he might be glorified. Just something to throw in here. We know that all things work together for good to them that love God and are called according to his purpose that in our lives he might be glorified brother white if you would lift your voice and pray over the reading of the word tonight Amen, amen. God bless you as you're seated in the house of the Lord. During the Napoleonic Wars of the early 1800s, and please pardon me if you get a little bit of history each time I'm privileged to stand here uh, over this weekend. I'm a history teacher by trade, but during the Napoleonic Wars of the 1800s, there was a new uh, form of battlefield medicine that was developed by the officers of the French army. It had been observed for some time that there were many men that were dying on the battlefield from wounds that on autopsy proved that they could have been treatable, but because the soldiers were never removed from the battlefield in time to get necessary treatment, they died without ever being looked over by a doctor or a nurse. Basically, the wounded weren't even thought about in warfare at that time until the last musket had silenced and the last charge had finished of the battle. And thousands, and you could probably even say millions of soldiers throughout millennia died suffering for hours or even days because nobody came to their aid because the battle was still going on. Completely preventable deaths became the reality for so many because they missed their opportunity to be saved because they bled out and died on a battlefield. As the French began to institute a method of retrieving the wounded from the battlefield, they called it the flying ambulance. They began to get soldiers off the battlefield and behind the the best protected area of the army and they began to have another problem that arose. They removed them from the battlefield but now they have another problem. What do we do now that we got them to safety And now we know what their wounds are. 
So this issue began to arise and the uh, officers in Bonaparte's army, uh, Napoleon Bonaparte, they began to look at how they could begin to treat these wounded because now they have such a large number, they're overwhelmed again. They got them to a place of safety, but now how do we deal with a problem that still persists? And the officers began to examine the issue and they developed a practice that we call today triage. How many have ever heard of triage? Triage is the assignment of priority to wounded based upon their wounds that they have or the reason for why they are seeking medical attention. And though the term will not be used for a good long while until the 20th century, the assigning of priority begins right here with the French army and those who were in dire need of medical attention and could not help themselves get from one place to another were given priority one. Priority two came whenever the officers in the army said, if you can move over here out of the way and wait for a little bit for treatment, go ahead and move. So they were given priority two. And as the result of battlefield triage taking place, millions of soldiers over the last 200 and plus years have been saved from certain death on a battlefield from wounds that they might have died of, but because they were removed from the fray and removed from the fighting and somebody took the time to assign priority and patch them up and fix their wounds, they have been saved. We don't know how many at this juncture, but because of that development. In learning about this some years ago, something stuck out to me about the prioritizing of the wounded. What stuck out to me greatly was the fact that it didn't matter what medals or what strips or ribbons were on the soldiers or on the officers' uniforms as they came behind the front lines and came for medical treatment. It didn't matter if they were an officer, a colonel, or even a general wounded in battle, or if they were a private, or a corporal, or a lieutenant. Whoever was wounded was treated based upon their wounds, not based upon their official title, or who they knew, or who their friends were, or who their family was. It was based upon their wound, and what the need was, and the priority, and the severity. Who was bleeding the most, often times got priority who was screaming the most saying help me got priority but it was even those who couldn't scream anymore because the wound was so great that agony and pain caused them not to even be able to utter a syllable of help they got priority it didn't matter if you were an officer or not in further examination of, of this whole new change to battlefield medicine, I, I found something else that caught my attention. When assigning priority, the French began to let the soldiers choose what priority basically they were in. If you could get up and walk out of the way of those who could not walk or help themselves, you were choosing, as I said a moment ago, that you would be priority number two. Soldiers were told, if you can walk over there, please walk over there. Get out of the way of those who may have a leg missing, an arm missing, who, who can't physically do it because they've lost so much blood that they are in a state of shock and they cannot get from one place to another. But what really caught my attention is what they called these individuals whenever they could move to the other place. The ones who were priority one, they really didn't call them anything except call the doctor. But the others they called the walking wounded. They could go from where they were in the way of those who needed dire attention and they could walk elsewhere. They may have been in shock, but they could still move. And they may have been wounded, but they could still get to another place. They called them the walking wounded. 
But just because they could walk from one place to another did not guarantee their survival. Their wounds were still real wounds. Their wounds were still wounds that were bleeding. They were still causing agony, still causing pain, still opening them up to a situation that could lead to their death or infection at least. Maybe the amputation of a limb, but their needs were still real as those who could not move, but they were the walking wounded. Let me just tell you tonight, just because your womb hasn't incapacitated you tonight, and I'm not, not talking about a battlefield womb like Napoleon was dealing with. I'm talking about a womb to the heart or a womb to the mind or a womb to the spirit. Just because it hasn't incapacitated you to this point and you may be walking wounded, it doesn't mean that you can just keep on going and keep on trudging through and keep on walking on without getting treatment from our Master and Savior, Jesus Christ. You see, if you are not treated by Him if the healing balm of Gilead doesn't make its way into your life at some point whether it be tonight or tomorrow night or sometime during this weekend there could be a deadly infection grow in your spirit that a superficial wound let in but because you did not allow God to take His healing hands that were pierced with nails on a Roman cross and heal it and touch you and help you you could have a deadly infection that gets in that might be called bitterness it might be called unforgiveness It might be called hurt and despair. It might be called depression and anxiety. Whatever it may be called, it could turn into something far more mortal than a superficial wound. I didn't come to preach about Napoleon Bonaparte today. I came into this house to preach about Jesus Christ. I came as a believer knowing the language that Jesus used in the New Testament and also knowing what Paul would write in the New Testament when he wrote to Timothy and said to Timothy, War a good warfare. And whenever he wrote to the Ephesians and he said, Put on the whole armor of God. Let me just step back for a moment and remind you that COVID has lulled a lot of people to sleep in the last two years. How many can wave your hand at me and say amen. I've seen too many of my, my friends walk away. I've seen too many of my colleagues who were, who were fellow ministers of the gospel walk away from God during this time. I've watched people break up their marriages, bust up their families, do all kinds of crazy and ridiculous things. And just because this situation, this time period has happened, it doesn't mean that the battle has ceased to exist. The battle for souls of men and women still rages on. The battle for the souls of young people, young men, young ladies, children, and adults as well still rages on. Jesus said, and He set the battle lines very clear in the Gospels where He said, I've come to seek and save that which was lost. And let me tell you tonight, if you're wounded in the battle and you've had a hard time lately, or if COVID has messed with your life, if you're feeling hurt, if you're feeling lost by somebody who has passed on, I'm here to tell you tonight, it is not God's desire for you to die on the battlefield. It's not His desire for you just to be a walking wounded in shock because what has happened around us. I'm here to tell you today. And now is the hour to arise out of sleep and have a clarity that we have never had before as the church in 2022 and say today is mission day. This hour that we live in, He is coming even sooner than we ever thought before. We need to be on the battlefield and if I've been wounded, I need His healing hand to come in and help me. I want to say it clearly again. 
It's not God's desire for you to die on the battlefield of something that He intends to raise you up from and not allow to be terminal. It is not His will for you to get infected by the things and the cares of this world that can tear down and wound your spirit and wound your heart and turn into agony and bitterness that can lead you astray from what God wants to accomplish in your life. It is His will for everything that has happened to be turned into the good for His glory. It is His will that we go forth as good soldiers of the gospel carrying on saying I've been through some things but it's just taught me who He is. I've been through some hurt sometimes but I found out that He is the healer even in my hurt. I've been through some despair sometimes but I found out what the Word said. He is the lifter of my head when I've been in despair. I found that life is hopeless in and of itself but He is my joy. He is my strength. He is my hope and He is my Redeemer. Oh, somebody give Him some praise in the house of the Lord. It's not God's will for you to die of something that God does not intend to be terminal. And if there's breath in your body right now, you're not terminal. You're not gone yet. He's not finished with you yet. I want to bring a message of hope to this local church and those joining us from other places around. I I want to bring a message of hope tonight that if you've ever found yourself wounded, if you ever found yourself hurt or injured, and if something has come into your life like offense or bitterness, and if it exists, He wants to put it under His blood tonight. He wants to allow His blood that forgives us and washes us of sin also to do the work of healing. For by His stripes... We are healed. It doesn't just save for my pain or from my physical ailment. It says with His stripes we are healed. So if there's a wound in your heart, if there's a wound in your mind, Jesus is here and His blood that He shed on Calvary millennia ago, it is still just as powerful as it was on that day on Golgotha. And it can do for you as it's done for so many over time. It can raise you up. It can give you freedom from sin and it can give you hope for a new day and get you back out on the battlefield fighting the good fight of faith. Hallelujah. So if you walked into this place with a wound somewhere in your heart and your mind, hurt by what life has presented you with, Jesus is here. Jesus is here. And His care, His attention, and His compassion is here today. I'm going to preach the walking wounded. Somebody say the walking wounded. Isaiah 61 is a prophecy For the generation of Jews that is about to be taken into Babylonian captivity. In the timeline of history, Isaiah is a prophet who is prophesying in the kingdom of Judah. The last 26 chapters of the book that bear his name in the Old Testament, they deal specifically with God's plan for his people following the Babylonian captivity at the end of that terrible time. Inserted near the end of that book, what we read today are words of healing and words of hope as they are about to cross over into despair and difficulty and hard times. I, I, I don't know, Brother White, I didn't see what happened in the last two years coming. I didn't see what would be unleashed on our society in America coming, around the world coming. I didn't see any of these things. I, I didn't notice it was on its way. I, I didn't recognize it coming. And the people of God are here saying, Isaiah, you're, you're, you're 
secluding yourself a little too much. Why are you saying that we're going into captivity? Don't you know who we are? Don't you know we are God's people? Isaiah is saying, yes, but there's been too much idolatry. Yes, but there's been too much sin. Yes, but there's been too many bad things that you have engaged in. And you are going to experience a time of difficulty. I'm here to tell the church we haven't gotten our message wrong. Don't misunderstand me tonight. There is only one Lord. There is only one faith. There is only one baptism and one God and Father of all who is in all, through all, and above us all. And His name is? Yes! And so don't get me wrong. We as the church... We've still been working even prior to 2020 to reach the lost, to see communities saved. We've still been working for that. But now we are at a point where we're coming out of this foolishness and coming out of this stuff. And God wants to remind us of a couple things. In the midst of your difficulty, I already destined hope and healing for you. In the midst of your problems, it's like what Isaiah prophesied. There would be good tidings preached to the meek. There would be a binding up of the brokenhearted. There would be liberty for the captives. There would be opening of prison bars to them that are bound. There would be comfort that comes to all who mourn. And there would be beauty given for ashes, joy for mourning, praise for the spirit of heaviness. I'm here to tell somebody today, if one of those negative things in that list has characterized what you've been going through at some point in the last two and a half years, I'm here to tell you today, you may be walking wounded tonight, but you don't have to leave this place with that wound. You don't have to leave this place hurting any longer. You don't have to leave this place in shock anymore because of what's happened in the world around us, there is a God who is, exp- who is reaching out His hand of help and He's doing some spiritual triage in the house and saying, you may say that you don't need my help, but you need it tonight. You may say you don't need my hand, but I want to rip some things out of you that could turn terminal. I want to take some infection out of your spirit that could turn terminal. And I want to give you a garment of praise for spirit of heaviness. I want to give you joy where there was mourning. I want to give you hope and beauty where there were ashes. I want to replace everything the enemy tried to bring against you. And I want to give you the good things of my kingdom and the good things of my spirit into your life. This prophecy is so very important for us today. Because what would happen to God's people in Babylon would be terrible. Babylon would abuse them. Babylon would curse them. Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar would try to change their God-given identity. Like Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. You know why they're called that? Because that's what their names were changed to in Scripture. Azariah, Mishael. And that one, miss I missed him right there. Is that okay? But they changed their names. And they changed their identity. And Babylon wanted to try to silence the prayers of Daniel and try to tell him it was illegal for you to pray. They tried to tell God's people, you're crazy for believing in Jehovah. And they tried to tell Judah that worship unto God was no longer necessary because they're in Babylonian captivity. Look around. Don't you see how great we are with the hanging gardens and the grandeur of everything that Babylon is? Don't you see the ornamentation of the gold and how much wealth we have? Don't you see that even what was in your temple now adorns our king's palace and his throne room. You're crazy, Hebrews, to still believe in Jehovah. You're crazy to still think that God cares about you. And some of you have heard the enemy try to whisper that in your ears. 
you're crazy. Don't you see what's happening in the world? Don't you see that you really cannot control anything around you? Don't you see that your prayers seem to hit a glass ceiling every once in a while? How many have ever felt like your prayers have hit a glass ceiling? This is not a demonstration. This is an admission. I've been there. I've been there whenever I've looked around the world and said, God, how can you? I've been, I've been there whenever I've looked at situations even in my family, even among my friends, even among my church, mem- the ch- members of my church that I'm blessed to be part of. And I'm like, God, how, how can this change? How can this transform? And that's exactly what Babylon wanted the Hebrews to do, and that's exactly what the enemy wants us to do. Question that there's no way for things to change. Question that there's no way for things to get better. You see, Babylon beat up God's people. They wounded him. They bloodied them. They beat on them. And some died along the way. Some Hebrews backslid along the way and walked in and walked away and gave in. Some bowed down. We only find those three who didn't bow down. Some cursed the day that they were born and taken from Jerusalem. And others, though, would endure those wounds and they would believe that God would come through. There would be those who would give rise to a Nehemiah and to an Ezra that would say, I have a longing in my heart for a place that I used to know. I have a longing to get back to Jerusalem. The the city's torn down. The temple's torn down. And I know if I can just get back there, God will show Himself mighty. I'm here to tell somebody today, you may be walking wounded, but let the last walk that you take wounded be to the altar tonight and be to a place of consecration. Be to a place of laying it all down. Be at a place of forgiveness. Be at a place of saying, God, I'm not going to carry this wound anymore. It's too heavy of a burden for me to carry. I'm giving it to you. And on the other side of captivity, God knew His people would need help. And God knew His people would need healing. God was not caught off guard and He didn't come up with plan B just because Babylon came upon Jerusalem. God had a plan A and He's had a plan A the entire time. That's why in the book of John it says in the beginning was the Word. The Word was with God and the Word was God Himself. And then verse 14 and the Word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld His glory the only glory as the only begotten Son of God. You see He had a plan and it was Himself. But before any of that ever transpired God knew His people would need help. But they were walking wounded. They would need help as they emerged from captivity. And let me just tell you, God will use whatever He desires to bring about the help for His people. God raised up a uh, polytheistic, evil, and wicked Persia that would give rise to breaking the back of Babylon so God's people could make their way back home. And God, the Bible says that if we give, it will be given to us. Men shall give into our bosom. God will make a way. And His help will come from an area that you may not see coming. His help will come from people you may not see blessing the kingdom of God. Don't try to figure out how God's going to do it. Let's just put ourselves in a position where God can do it. I think of all that Babylon did to God's people. And I pondered this many times in the preparation for this message. As I, I had this thought, I don't know how, three or four years ago, and it never just clicked. But when it clicked in my study, I pondered how terrible Babylon was on God's people. And 
I look at it now and I see a parallel for today. This world, this world has not been conducive for the growth of the church. At every turn, it seems like there may be a policy that says that uh, we can't meet together. How many, how many experienced that over the last couple years of, of restrictions and uh, virtual church? We, we completely redid our sound and our IT and the live stream and everything like that. I never thought our local church at home would ever see live stream. And then it did, and I'm thinking, oh my Lord, what happened? I never saw that coming. And... We look at what's happened around us, and there's a parallel to today. Difficulty and obstacles and challenges face us every day. And the world and life in general has hurt us individually at times, and hurt us collectively even at times, and made it difficult to come back to the house of God for some people because of fear, because they get out of the routine of it and they don't come back. I, I think I read a statistic, maybe it was the Barna Group, I think, that said that there's a third of people that have not even returned to church since the first part of March 2020. And we look at that and we're like, why has this happened? In the last two years, if there were anybody in here who could say that I haven't faced a challenge in the last two years, I need to know your secret. If there's anybody in here over the last two years who, who could say, I haven't had questions, I, I'd like to talk to you a little bit because i like to see what you did to prep yourself for that. Because we've all had questions. But you know what else I've found? In talking to friends around the country and even around my district at home in West Virginia, I've found that there are very few people who haven't experienced something that is an obstacle of great significance in their life. Whether it's a family challenge, whether it's an economic challenge, whether it's a health concern, whether it's the loss of a family member, something enormous has emerged in their life and many people are walking wounded. No matter who you are, there's wounds that come in life, bruises that come. Psychology today, it's a, it's a periodical for psychologists. They define the term walking wounded a little bit different than Bonaparte defined it. They defined it in a psychological standpoint, and they said it's a person that has been damaged or defeated psychologically or emotionally by their experiences in life. Damage in life. That sounds a little bit like what we may be experiencing in the last few years. It might even sound like what, what it's been like even before COVID hit, because emotional difficulties, psychological difficulties have happened. But if you ask physicians, psychological difficulties are on the rise. Depression is on the rise. In my home state of West Virginia, there was a huge spike in teen suicide over the last year and a half that happened that eclipsed even multiple years added together. Why? Wow. Because difficulty and psychological difficulty and emotional yeah. problems are on the rise in this day and this hour. And no matter how hard we work, some of us may be dealing with some of those tonight. No matter how hard we try and no matter sometimes how hard we pray that we wouldn't be hurt by what others say or what others do, we have found ourselves wounded. Job wrote about this. He said it in, in the book that bears his name. Man that is born of woman is a few days and full of trouble. The psalmist even said, for my soul is full of trouble. We are no different than them today. They were flesh and blood just like we are. They experienced difficulty just like they, we do. Uh, God forbid if anything like Job ever happens to one of us in our lives because that is a catastrophe and a tragedy multiplied by ten. And the road of life 
is difficult to trod. No matter how affluent you are. No matter how wealthy you are. No matter what job you have or no matter if you married Mr. Right or Mrs. Right. Life is still difficult. And today the troubles and hurt that we carry on us aren't from Babylon abusing us. But it comes in other ways. Let me talk about some of these difficulties and troubles in life. We sometimes carry wounds with us to church and to work and among our family because of the wounds of others that they have placed in our life. I'm going to be real transparent with you. Somebody may have abused you because abuse has been on the rise. Somebody may have emotionally abused you, somebody you love, and told you you were going to be nothing, that you would just mess everything up, that you can't amount to anything. Somebody may have physically abused you and beat you or harmed you in that way. You've been told that you're never going to be good enough. You're going to, you've been told that you're never going to amount to anything in your life, and it's worthless for you to even try. And wounds come into lives. Young person, you may have been there in your life. You may have heard it from an abusive family member. Elder in this house, you may, may be remembering something that somebody laid on you dozens of years ago. I'm here to deal with that tonight. Because the blood of Jesus knows no bounds. It has no statute of limitations to where it can't go back into the past and heal you from. I don't care how long ago that abuse happened. I don't care if that person has gone on and died and no longer in the picture. If the wound is still there and it's still inhibiting you from being what God wants you to be. He wants it under His blood tonight. Somebody may have broken promises to you. Somebody in your family may be addicted and abusing you or abusing themselves and it's hurt you and you carry the wounds of family or friends around with you because they're absent when they said they were going to be present. Life experiences can also harm us and damage us. Disappointment because of circumstances in a career. Maybe it's inconsistency of a loved one. Maybe it's financial challenges and and inconsistency in work or a job. Maybe it's the loss of a loved one that has brought hurt into your life and damage. Let me just tell you today, some wounds are not because you did anything wrong. Some things are not because you are to blame. Some things are not fair in life, but the Bible doesn't say that everything would be fair. The, the Bible doesn't say that life is going to be favored upon us and, and we would never have to go through anything. It says it rains on the just and the unjust and both fields are watered. Good things are going to come to you and good things are going to come to the bad and the wicked and bad things are going to come to you and bad things are going to come to the wicked. I'm here to tell you tonight, it does not it indicate that fairness is part of the word of God. But God calls us even whenever life is unfair to faithfulness. He calls us to faithfulness. There are things in life also that wound us like unanswered prayers. And I did just say that. Now, I know that this has been a taboo topic in circles of Christianity before. But how many have ever been upset with the Lord? Again, this is an admission, not a demonstration. I've been upset with the Lord. I've prayed prayers. I've cried tears. I've, I've prayed myself hoarse to the point where I could not speak anymore over things that I, I couldn't control and couldn't change with my best efforts. And still the next day, whenever I got up, the problem was still there. And I had to endure as a good soldier the difficulties that have come. Anybody with me? 
Sometimes we're upset because the answer hasn't come. But let me just tell you this. Let me help you build your faith. Sometimes the answer is still on the way and God hasn't said yet no. He's just said not yet. And sometimes he's kept from answering the prayers we prayed because we prayed them out of desperation and they weren't really seasoned with wisdom of the word. And he's kept us from foolishness in our life. I'm just here to tell somebody today, I'm glad God didn't give me everything that I wanted when I wanted. He knew what was good for me. He knew that the hardship was good for me. I read in the book of Psalms just a while back, a few weeks ago, that it was good when he afflicted me because it taught me to know who he was. I would rather know him than get what I want. And some of us are struggling with that in the house tonight. We want God to answer a certain prayer. But I'd rather know Him than get what I want in every situation. I'd rather know who He is like Paul said. I want to know who you are. The fellowship of your suffering be made conformable even under your death. I want to know you. It is the greatest accomplishment of a life to know who Jesus is. And to trust in Him and walk with Him. But yet... So oftentimes, in order to get to that point, we get wounds along the way that we got to trust Him healing us through the wounds. But there's another type of wound that often comes, and it's self-inflicted wounds. Has anybody ever had a self-inflicted wound? Sin, unrepented sin, besetting sin, unforgiveness one toward another whenever you know what the Bible says. Jesus said it. He said, if you forgive men their trespasses, I'll forgive you. But if you forgive not men their trespasses, how am I going to forgive you? I'm not. And in our lives, that's a self-inflicted wound. I already said it. It's not always fair what happens to you. And forgiveness is not necessarily a fair exchange either. But neither was Calvary. Neither was Calvary. It was not a fair exchange because I, I can never live up to Calvary. I could never be sinless like He was sinless. I could never be merciful as He is merciful. I could never be gracious as He is gracious. And neither could the entirety of all human population that has ever been born be good enough if we were ever sinless in our lives to what Jesus Christ was. He was perfect. He was spotless. Calvary wasn't fair. It, it, it was not a fair exchange. He got the short end of the deal when he got me and you. But thank God he took the short end of the deal. Thank God he said you're going to be worth it. Thank God he was willing to say I'm going to lay down my life even though I know you're going to fail after I forgive you and after you go down in baptism. I know you're still going to fail but I'm going to do it anyhow. My love is greater. My love is stronger than your failure. My love is greater than your selfishness inflicted wounds. Somebody in the house tonight needs to say I'm laying down these self-inflicted wounds. I'm tired of walking around wounded and in shock because what I've done in my life, what I failed God doing and unforgiveness in my life I'm laying it all down because I need a savior. I need a help. I need a healer and I need to be made whole. But the sad thing for human beings like me and you is we often conduct our own spiritual triage no matter how a wound comes to us. And we say, oh, we're okay. We dress it up, we look good, we play the part, and we're okay. We don't tell people about some of the things that are happening or we run our small little tongue really hard about what somebody else did to us and that just makes the wound deeper and infection to grow. We declare ourselves still able to walk so... 
We must not need the altar today. I I still feel His presence. I still sense the Spirit. We may think we're all right just because the anointing can come on us whenever there's wounds there that God wants to take care of. But when we feel the unction of the anointing, we feel like, oh, we're okay. Whenever we can sense, oh, God just moved into the room and then the service explodes, we think, oh, we're, we're good. But let me tell you today, He didn't come to, to save the righteous, but the sinners. He didn't come to save those who were good. He came to save those who were undesirable. And such were some of us. But we have been washed. We have been sanctified. We have been brought nigh by what? The blood of Jesus. That healing blood. That delivering blood. That blood that, that, that poured from His wounds to heal our wounds. And it's no use walking away from this place wounded tonight. Because God wants to take you to a different level in your relationship with Him. He wants to not just heal you. He wants to make you whole in this place tonight. Proverbs states this about wounds. It states the spirit of the man will sustain his infirmity, but a wounded spirit, who can bear? You can't continue to walk spiritually wounded without it becoming terminal. I I, I hate to be like this in the middle of my message tonight. Some of you are saying, hopefully it's about the end of his message tonight. Has he looked at the clock? It's okay to laugh. I hate to be like this, but you, you cannot let spiritual wounds fester in your life and in your heart and in your soul without it becoming terminal. It is a slow slide to backslide. It is a slow slide to become inoperable in the kingdom of God. It is a slow digression that leads to immobility. It is not a rapid digression to that. It's slow and it becomes terminal. Being wounded in this way will destroy your soul. It will affect your family. It will mess with your kids. I'm here to tell you it will mess with your kids. I've watched friends of mine whose parents have let things mess with their lives and tear them away from the kingdom of God. And the kids are ripped to pieces because now it's like everything mom and dad told me. Is it true or is it not? It will mess with your kids. And walking wounded will eventually handicap you to where what God envisions for your life and for your family and for your church is just a shadow, or is just not happening because you have become handicapped. It's unattainable because you have walked wounded so long that now that limp is permanent. Now that halter is permanent, and you can't find where God's leading you. Some of you may be saying, well, it's just my cross to bear. It's just my burden to bear. Paul even had this. He had a thorn in the flesh, thorn in his side, that God said, my grace is sufficient for you. Why don't you quit trying to figure out if it's a burden or if it's a thorn in your side if God hasn't spoken to you directly and said this is just what you're going to have to deal with? If He hasn't said it, it's a wound that's going to halter you up. It's going to mess with you. It's going to lead you astray. You cannot allow that spiritual infection to dig deep into your life. God will never abuse His people. Somebody needs to hear that tonight. God will never abuse His people. So if you think that the wounds that have come in your life are because God wants to punish you or bring a leveling out of life and you say, well, because I was this, he's punishing me now. 
No, 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 no. God is a gentleman. He will not abuse you. He will not punish you unjustly. He is the just judge. And matter of fact, I already said it. He gave us the better end of the deal. He will not abuse his people. He will not whip you. He will not beat you. He will not be Babylon to you. Because God hates Babylon. He will take you in arms of mercy and compassion and heal your wounds. There is help in the room tonight from Jesus Christ. See, the fulfillment as the musicians come, the fulfillment of the prophecy of Isaiah 61, it did not happen even whenever Nehemiah and Ezra went back and rebuilt the walls and rebuilt the tabernacle. It did not happen again for over 450 years until the day whenever Jesus was born into this world of a virgin named Mary. It did not begin to take place. And then Jesus, after 30 years, whenever he breaks into his earthly ministry, Luke identifies in Luke chapter 4 that Jesus went away for a time of prayer and fasting in the wilderness for 40 days. And when he emerged, not eating or drinking for 40 days, his body should have been broken, shouldn't it? His body should have been wounded, shouldn't it? But the Bible says this, Luke wrote it, and Jesus returned in power of the Spirit. He should have been wounded physically, but whenever the devil showed up, he said, get thee behind me, Satan. This is the word of God. And then as Jesus comes out of that time of prayer and fasting, here is where the prophecy is finally fulfilled. Jesus goes to his home city, and he walks into the, into the synagogue there, or yeah, into the synagogue. And as he goes in, the rabbi gives him an opportunity to read from the, the book, read from the law, read from the prophets. And Jesus flips right over to the latter part of Isaiah. And here's what Jesus reads from Isaiah. He says, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because He hath anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He hath sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to preach deliverance to the captives, the recovery of sight to the blind, to set at liberty them that are bruised, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. That generation that came out of Babylon and that generation that made their way after Esther saved the Jews. Jewish people. They didn't understand who he was because they didn't have him. But I'm here to tell you today, we have him. We have his name. We have his spirit. We have his help. And his blood is available for you tonight. And whenever Jesus finished reading, he said to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. The Bible says he closed the book. He laid it down. He went and sat back down among all of his fellow countrymen. And they looked at him in awe and they were like, what is this? Isn't this the son of Joseph and Mary? Isn't this the carpenter's son? Isn't this the boy we've known? How dare he use those pronouns of, he has sent me to preach the gospel, me to bind up the brokenhearted, me deliverance to the captives, me to set at liberty them that are bruised. And they look at him and he realizes they're looking at him. And, and, and this was a total God thing that happened. He said, this day, is this reading fulfilled in your ears. I'll tell you what, I am so glad 
that even though the world may be terrible and even though it may be crumbling and the institutions of man may be folding left and right, I am so glad I am in the kingdom at such a time as this. I am so glad that He allowed me to be born whenever revival is preached, His name is preached, help is declared among the people of God, and liberty is preached to the captives. I'm glad about that because you know why? I don't have to walk wounded anymore. And you don't have to walk wounded anymore. You don't have to go back to your family with a poor disposition and an attitude that says it's hopeless anymore. You can walk in there and they say, what happened to you at that church service last night? What happened in your life last night? Hey, didn't you always speak negative? That co-worker may tell you at the job, what's changed in your life? Oh, let me tell you about a man named Jesus. Let me tell you how he... He he reached down and touched my broken heart. And He brought me back from a stagnant situation in my life. If you'll stand all across the building, the Holy Ghost is moving in this house. You don't have to wait any longer. Your walking wounded has lasted long enough for you. Walking wounded has lasted long enough. Just like the man at the pool of Bethesda. That man laid at that pool. He was laying for 38 years. And he laid in a place called Bethesda, which means house of mercy, and he never found healing in the house of mercy. And then one day, the one who the prophecy was about, he walked through that opening and walked down the steps beside that pool. Mercy and grace walked into the house of mercy. And that lame man was sitting there, and Jesus walked up, And he said, would you be made whole? And that man said, I got nobody to put me into the pool. That's a walking wounded response. That's a limping along response. That's a lame response. You can take it as a pun or reality. It's a lame response. But Jesus did not respond to his infirmity and his response of infirmity. Jesus said, he didn't say, oh, I know. Oh, I know you don't have anybody. Jesus looked at him after saying, Will you be made whole? And Jesus just said, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. He didn't say, Walk out of here wounded. He didn't say, Walk out of here limping. He didn't say, Get carried out like you got carried in. He said, Rise, take up your bed, and walk. Somebody in the house tonight is one act of obedience away from no longer walking wounded. No longer walking with the emotional scars that somebody put on your life so long ago. No longer walking out of this house with unforgiveness that can condemn your soul to a devil's hell. No longer walking wounded. You're one act of obedience away from peace in your life, joy in your life, healing in your life, and restoration of relationships and help coming from where God is. You're one act of obedience. And so as they begin to play and sing, I ask you this and I open this altar. Will you be made whole? Will you be made whole in this house tonight? Why don't you make your way? If you have your loved ones here, why don't you grab them by the hand and make your way to this altar? 
Why don't you say it's been too long since we've, we've been healed by the healing balm of Gilead. It's been a, a little bit since we've found help and grace in the eyes of the Lord. It's been a little too long since I felt what I feel in this house. And I, I want God to help me. I want Him to bind up my broken heart. I want Him to heal my wounded spirit. I want Him to deliver me, Lord Jesus. Deliver me from the captivity 